we got to start with the heart first. Hey, what's going on inside of me that's driving these core beliefs? Welcome to the Executive Leadership Podcast. Uh, you're in store for another great interview where we bring on a special guest, Adam F. Jones. So Adam Jones just recently released his book, Weapons of Mass Deception, Detect and Defeat the Four Weapons, Destroying Your Peace, Purpose, and Power. Um, Adam Jones is a transformational speaker, leadership consultant, and the founder of Kingdom Operatives, a leadership development company that equips leaders to build transformational teams. Adam conducts leadership training for executives, collegiate coaches, athletes, and military leaders. Adam is a former U.S. Army captain and UH-60 Black Hawk helicopter pilot. He lives in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania with his wife, Jessica, and their daughters, Adeline and Aspen. Well, we really hope you enjoy this discussion with Adam Jones and about talking about his new book, Weapons of Mass Deception. Well, Adam, thank you so much for uh, being on the podcast and congratulations on your new book. Uh, thanks, Cameron. Yeah, it's good to be here, man. Yeah. So uh, tell us a little bit about the new book that you just released and your heart of this book called uh, Weapons of Mass Deception and why you really chose to, to write this. Yeah. So I think uh, my heart was really just to serve others. I didn't want to write this book. Let's start with that one. You know, a topic like weapons of mass deception that that's pretty strong, pretty aggressive, but it's, it's honestly what helped me see some of the things that were going on inside of my heart and how it was affecting my home. Right. So the, the really premise of the book is that what we suppress in our heart spreads into our home. And, you know, my background, I'm a former army uh, company commander, captain and black Hawk helicopter pilot, and also have worked with DOD contracting and worked for a lot of really good people one of those groups was Homeland Security. And when I worked for the Department of Homeland Security, you start to learn all about threats and targets and weapons and, you know, all of that. And I remember thinking, you know, a couple of years, years ago, I'm like, man, one of the greatest threats against all of us is really what goes on in our, in our mind and how culture um, is creating something sometimes, right? Unintentionally, it just drift is natural. So, Every once in a while, we get into situations where we're like, man, you know, our current culture or our societal norms are might benefit a system, but they don't always benefit the people in it. Right. So I don't know. For me, it's just kind of starting to see things more as a, a threat that we need to get rid of, I think, can empower leaders a little bit more. Right. To where you take it even more serious. Mm -hmm. And then in, in the end of the book, towards the end of the book, you, you uh, talk about this strategy called the blue sky leadership strategy, and which is going to really be a, uh, our focus for this discussion. Uh, one of the components in the strategy uh, that we're going to talk about is command presence. Um, can you unpack what, what this means to you? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, I mean, just my background being military, right? Command presence is actually something we get graded on as an officer. And you either kind of have it or you don't. And if you don't, you got to develop it because you're not going to go far without it, right? Um, at least that's kind of how they set it up, right? Because your ability to influence others, uh, to, to present yourself in a way where other people are actually attracted to you, they're drawn to you, they want to learn from you, they want to be trained and led by you 
that's something that has to be developed. Now, yes, I get it. Charisma. Some people have it or they don't, you know, like from birth, they've always been that person, but I wasn't, I had to learn it. And as you start to learn it yourself, you start to realize, well, how can I teach it to others? And I remember just seeing a lot of really strong leaders who people wanted to follow them, right? Like soldiers wanted to follow them. When I was a DOD contractor, same thing, you know, uh, employees wanted to follow this manager or this program manager or this director. And I'm like, what's the separator? Like what's going on? How, how are they doing that? How are they being someone who is doing the same work as someone else, but people want to follow them. And I call that command presence. And just like I said, the military grades you on it. So if you're, if you're low on that, it's going to affect your overall annual performance as an officer, your performance evaluation. So now I partner with other corporations, collegiate athletes, military units to help them build up their command presence. And in the book that you and I are talking about, right? Uh, that's really a lack of command presence, right? That's these weapons are causing you to not be attractive, to not be effective, right? To, to be someone who you're losing influence with the people who matter most in your life because your command presence is, is being degraded. It's, it's being pulled apart, right? You're no longer influential. So I think that's kind of some, some parts that come to mind initially when we talk about it. It's, it's extremely important. I think anyone can learn it, um, but you gotta, you gotta be able to pull it apart to see what, what are what I call the elements of this. How, how do you take the specialization of command presence, break it down into components and elements and start to train on those. Yeah, I think you really brought up a, a good topic here, command presence, which is so uh, needed in, in our leadership, because I think it's it's becoming more of a an afterthought for leaders, you know, being influential and attractive as a leader. I think it's it's very important components that you brought up with command presence. So does how does a leader become more influential and attractive and ultimately build their command presence? Where do they start? Yeah, it's a, so it's a good question. Um, I think it, it starts with recognizing first that there is a gap. That when someone is leading an organization, so we're talking about positional uh, hierarchy, positional leadership for a moment here, and your position is saying, hey, this person uh, is responsible for these five people or for like myself as a company commander. I had 54 soldiers consistently and there were times where I'd have up to 90 soldiers, which included officers and sergeants, um, working with me and for me, right? There is a gap. There is absolutely a gap where people do not want to approach, do not want to bring up what they're really seeing and what they think could make something better because, well, just in just naturally that position, that position, that progression creates that gap. So leaders must recognize the gap if you ask me, and then we go close that gap. And that's when what you develop command presence is you, you start to be the one to approach them, and you do that by being moved with compassion, right? Because you want to see them better. You want to see them perform better. You want to see them become who they were created to be. You know, like for me, it's, 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 hey, look, you're a new sergeant at this unit. I'm the company commander. I'm a captain. But you know more about aircraft maintenance than me. So would you share with me some things that you think we could do better right now as a unit? from what you're seeing, you've been here for about a month, you've, you've moved from this other organization. What are things you're seeing here that could be done more effectively? That stuff starts to build command presence because they go, and this is what happened with me. This guy goes, sir, no one 
has ever asked me what you just asked me and the way you did it. Right. And, and I said, well, I, I really care about your opinion, man. And like, I want to make sure that we're a stronger unit and you're here for a reason. So what do you see? I think that kind of stuff will help you initially develop some influence and become more attractive. Um, but most of this, I learned from my own failures, right? Why aren't people wanting to follow me? Why aren't people wanting to go in the direction that we need to take this organization? And then what comes in is building buy-in. So you recognize there's a gap, right? And we got to close that gap. And all, all that's simple. Closing the gap is so simple. Take the first step. Have the first conversation. Continue to do that. Move with compassion. Now that we recognize that there's a gap, are we building buy-in with the people who have even greater influence than us? Back to the, the time when I was in the military, I mean... And that's not my only life or my only experience, but I think it relates a lot to command presence because I remember having my first training meeting, Cameron, where I have a, a group of about 15 people who are all waiting to be uh, updated on what's the mission, what are we doing next? And I remember speaking and seeing that they're paying attention. But then I also remember, as Patrick Lencioni talks about, right, that other people, just a couple, maybe like two or three, when they spoke, People started to lean in and take notes. People started to pay attention more to them, not me. And I remember thinking, they're the ones with influence. They're the leaders of this organization. So I want to build buy-in with them, right? I, I want to know what they know, why, what they think we can do better. I want them to know the bigger vision that we have right now and, and see how we can join forces to move forward together. So I think those type of things can help people build uh, the, the specialization of command presence in their life. Those are just some initial, you know, foundational pieces that I think are critical. Yeah. Thank you for sharing your perspectives on that. And, you know, in order to build that command presence, um, I think it truly starts with leaders taking care of themselves and it truly starts with what self leadership and really ensuring you're healthy as a leader. And I think this, this topic is different it means different for every person because I think when we talk about being um, a healthy leader, that that could mean something very different for both you and I, Adam, and it could mean very different for other, other leaders. Um, but based on the, your experience and your book writings and the work that you do, how does one become that healthy leader? I mean, health is critical. You know, we're all seeing that right now. And there's a lot of mental health challenges and it's, it's actually getting a lot worse, right? Especially, you know, when I go work with a military organization or a senior leader, um, suicide ideation, a lot of, a lot of major challenges going on and, and morale dropping. And you say, well, where do we start? Start with the heart, right? It, it, that's really what it is. We got to start with the heart first, Hey, what's going on inside of me that's driving these core beliefs? You know, and I get it. This is not scientific. Really, you'd be talking about thought process and everything. But I, I really do believe that in our heart, we are guided, right? And it sounds a little wishy-washy, I guess, just, just the way I look at things. If we start with the heart and we say, man, why do I believe this? Why am I so hardened? Right? That's what I want people to hear right now. If you're, if you're like a high-level leader, why have we become so hardened to people's challenges? Because we're going through our own, right? Like I had to recognize that I had a hardened heart towards people, especially after getting out of the service. I felt easily agitated. 
Um, I felt like I couldn't connect with people, including my own family, my own wife, you know, my firstborn daughter. And I'm like, dude, what is wrong with me? And I was hardened, a battle hardened mind. I talk about this in the, in the book, weapons of mass deception, right? A battle hardened mind, which could happen from any of us. We're all in a battle right now, right? Life is hard. That battle hardened mind can produce a hardened heart. And if it does, you're not going to connect with people because it's compassion that connects with people. It's sharing the cracks in our armor, you know, to, to say, Hey, this is what happened to me. And I don't want this to happen to you. Um, one thing I'll, I'll, I'll share as I bring this together is when we're looking at health as a leader, we got to take care of ourselves because we can only give what we have. If I don't have it, I can't give it to you. If I'm not healthy, how am I going to help you be a healthy leader? So I think for leaders, it's so important because we want to be influential. We know that leadership is about being an example, but we really got to get this thing right and operate from a place of being filled, being full. And when you show up, you don't need anything. You don't need any affirmation. You don't need any applause from your team. You're simply there to position them for purpose and to serve them and to help them see that there's power in their presence because see, you've learned this yourself. So now you can give it to others. So we start with the heart and then we start to change the world around us because we got the, the priorities right. Yeah. You touched on something good about the home um, because Throughout, throughout my career journey, I've seen leaders in the aviation field where they are just killing it in the industry. You know, they've reached that, that top echelon role. They've reached that C-suite role and they're just killing it in the industry. But when you, when you open up their life and understand who they are and, and how things are at home and oftentimes mm -hmm. have a broken home. They're either going through their, you know, second or third marriage or they're in the process of getting a divorce. And um, it seems like a lot of the, the folks that I know live complicated home lives. And it's because, for one, they may not be home um, and um, they're, they're too invested into what they do on a day to day. And I, I found myself like this as well, especially early on, is, is I truly defined myself on what I was doing on a day to day. And so I forgot, I forgot. And I was, uh, I, I was in, in this too, where, where things were, were not good, uh, where I wasn't healthy. And, um, so how do leaders, um, lead the same both at home and outside the home and should they lead the same as they do in, in business and at the home? And, and yeah, it's a great question. Um, huge challenge of mine. Now it's a big strength. So I'm, I'm glad you asked because I have it so I can give it. Mm -hmm. All right. I had to start to see my home differently. Look, I am an intense person. I remember, I mean, you're reading the book, you know, I talk about, I say, look, I am naturally intense. I'm naturally deep. I love having that type of conversation. Um, I love to have fun. Okay. My wife helps me have fun. She reminds me of what fun is, right? Because to me, fun is like, you know, impacting people and, and, you know, building out podcasts and 
doing entrepreneurship. Like that's so much fun to me, right? It really is It's like a giant game where I get to help others. But also um, I would say this. Okay, so check this. I, I, I almost just said it. So I want to correct myself. I would say that's when I come alive the most. That is how I used to think. That's when I come alive the most. My wife, one day, she said, you, you come so alive when you do a leadership training. And what she was saying is, why aren't you alive in our home? That's what she was saying. You know, we had these conversations. It was, hey, you are not present here. It's like you're somewhere else. I don't know where you are, but you're not here, Adam, and you don't want to be here. Now, that man that I just described to you no longer exists. Man, I'm telling you, we, we have such an amazing marriage. My home is filled with peace and joy. It's still hard. Yes, you know, I got a toddler and an infant. That's challenging. But overall, man, I'm living my life on full, like I mentioned earlier. So now I had to recognize, well, what's causing this? What in culture, that's why I'm so passionate about culture and leaders forming, uh, you know, transformational cultures, forming cultures of growth, forming cultures where we support one another, right? Because um, I don't think it's happening nearly enough. I think we all say it, but it's not really happening. And I had to recognize what in culture is causing you to say these things and think this way and, and believe. And why is my heart, heart hardened, right? Like I was talking about. And you know what I recognize is that there was a weapon of mass deception starting in my heart, spreading into my home, shifting into my headquarters. It was following me everywhere I went. And I just want to share this with anyone who's on here. Parenting is extremely hard. I'm not that far along in the journey yet. Okay. So I can't pretend I have all this experience. I don't, but I will tell you I'm in a good spot. And I will tell you the people I help, which are like VPs of companies that they're in good places as well, just simply through language. And then taking that language and seeing what can, what's the deeper meaning. So here's the language I want to give you guys. The second weapon of mass deception, I call the altar of impact. And in the book, we follow a guy named Major Brown. And we see how Major Brown was sacrificing his family on the altar of impacting other people. And correction, I think it's Captain Brown. But he was sacrificing his family on the altar of impacting, saying, man, I got to go again. I got to go out again. He's a law enforcement officer that I talk about in here. And he's just always progressing and making an impact outside of his home. But what if our greatest place of impact are the people closest to us? It's also the most challenging one though, isn't it? You know, it's really hard to feel like you're, you're making a difference, you're impacting, or even you're connecting with the people in your home sometimes. And I see this with organizations is this is the greatest struggle. But what if you can start to see your home differently? So you recognize the altar of impact is causing me to think this way. And that's not okay anymore. And, and altar of impact means I sacrifice friends on the altar of impact. I sacrifice um, my current team on the altar of impacting people I've never met before. Right? It's not about not going and serving or not making an impact. It's about first recognizing your greatest place of impact is what I call your area of operations. This is what the military calls it too. Your area of operations is where you're currently operating out of, right? My AO. So Cameron, to bring it all together, what I had to do and what I've shared with others is we have to start to recognize our home as an area of operations. We have to recognize our family members 
and if we're the leader of the home, right? Like we feel like we're more in like a visionary role and all that. Same thing. Hey man, my, my daughter, she carries this type of mindset, this type of gift. I want to position her for purpose, both in the home and outside of it. You know, my wife, this is who she is naturally. I want to bring that out of her more. And I think through that, you start to see, wow, I, I'm shifting things. I'm making things better. And they need me as much as I need them. And something, something powerful can happen. But there's, there's a huge process to this. And I, I share this more in like some of my trainings that I have and when I run leadership workshops. But it's critical that we as leaders learn how to lead our home. Yeah, that's really awesome. And I think this is really important for, for, for leaders, especially in business, where oftentimes our day-to-days, can we just can get consumed. And by the time we come back home, we don't have enough energy uh, to focus on home. And so we give it all at work and uh, come home and we're, we're really not able to give it what we need to at home. You know, one of one of the, um, I guess I would call leadership gurus that I follow is Craig Rochelle. And uh, one of the things that I look up to him is because he's the same on stage as he is in the home. And, you know, I one day want to be like that as well, um, especially when family comes in the horizon. And I know it takes a lot of intentionality and it's not easy to do, but um, you you get a greater blessing on, on both sides. Wow. I love that, man. And as you said that, something came to mind that I'd share. One of my greatest uh, flaws, which was very easy to, to correct. So I'm going to share this to anyone who's listening. If you take what I'm about to share with you, like you're already going to start to see results. These are immediate result type of corrective actions, right? So instead of what most people say is I go home and I'm tired and now I'm with my family. So I shut my brain off so I can, you know, just hang out with them and I turn off work and I shut it all down, right? That's common language. And it was definitely my language. And I would say this to a high performance coach that I, that I was working with. I said, Hey, I don't get what's going on. You know, my wife's always telling me I'm not present, but I don't get it. Like I'm present. I'm there. I just come home and I shut my brain off and then I'm there right now. Catch how quickly I'm saying that. And he goes, dude, why are you shutting your brain off? No wonder you're not present. And I'm like, Oh, that's a good point. And he said, don't, don't do that. I would be frustrated with you too. And he started laughing and he said, how about this? How about instead of shutting it off, you transition it. And you, you put a trigger in place. Brennan Bruchard talks about this. You put a trigger in place like a doorknob and you say, when I touch that doorknob, man, it's game on. I'm shifting from business owner or employee or, you know, CEO to father, husband, you know, for me personally. Right. And now I want to show up as the most serving, most, most thoughtful husband and father I can in this moment. Cause I only got a couple hours with them immediate transition. So put a trigger in place, figure out what your transition is going to look like and start to uh, start to use that consistently. And instead of shutting it off transition. And I think you already start to see you'll gain influence in your home. Yeah, that's so true. Um, so uh, Adam, tell us a little bit about the work that you do. Um, and also um, how can people connect with you and also um, get a hand, get their copy of weapons of uh, mass deception. Yeah. So uh, first of all, to get the copy of the book, 
you can go to adamfjonesbook.com to grab a copy. Now I get it. Look, if you're like, hey, I don't really know you that well yet, man. I think this sounds cool, but I'm not sure if I want to commit to reading a whole book. Then what I want you to do instead, um, the name of my company is Kingdom Operatives, right? And we want people to operate their core identity to really bring solutions into a world that's hurting, okay? So Kingdom, all I want you to do is text the word Kingdom to 55444. That's it. Text Kingdom to 55444. When you do that, I am going to give you the first three chapters. My team's got it all together for you. So all you're going to do is send that message and you're going to get the first three chapters to the book right away. And then at that point, you can start reading it and you can decide if you want to go deeper and buy the whole book. Or maybe you want to buy the book and you just want to get started now with the first three chapters. That's cool too. But I do have that available to anyone who wants that. So either adamfjonesbook.com or text kingdom to 55444. So that's that part. Uh, other than that, on social media, I'm under lead with Adam. It's a great way to stay connected and see different content we put out along with our leadership accelerator podcast. Um, right now, the focus of the company is really to get this message into the hands of organizations and into leaders who shape culture, right? So we want to be more intentional with the culture we're setting up. So if you're looking for a speaker, right now and you want to bring someone in who can actually inspire your team and get them equipped and trained with the tools needed, addressing challenges of mental health from someone who actually had those challenges themselves, you want to get like greater breakthrough and unity, then you can definitely go to my site, adamfjones.com and put a request in, just go to book Adam and uh, my team will get right back to you and we can get a call together. Well, that's awesome. Thank you, Adam. And uh, what was the website again to uh, get a copy of the book? Yeah, threw out a couple. So book, adamfjonesbook.com. All right. Well, cool. Thank you. Um, so kind of continuing the discussion, I think was going in a perfect direction. Um, what are the things that have worked for you in really increasing your command presence? And what did you find was the most challenging? Yeah, so I actually have this up here on my screen as well. So I'm going to pull it up because I want to make sure I'm giving you the, the full goods. This is okay. part of a training I do called Unlock the Leader Within. Um, and I built this out for another organization and now we use it to help others. But basically, one thing you can do is within command presence, remember I said before, we want to like kind of pull it apart. Like, all right, I get the word command presence. I get it's about being influential and attractive. What does that mean? Right. So then I kind of pull that apart into these three um, components, which are communication, competency, and connection. Right now, I'm going to give you competency, right? We want to be competent leaders that people want to follow. You know, um, communication was kind of always a strength of mine, but I, I didn't always have competence, right? I wasn't always a competent pilot. It wasn't like, oh, this guy's really great at communicating, but, you know, how does he fly an aircraft? Well, he's actually kind of younger in his career still, so he's going to have to develop that more. So we got to recognize these gaps as well. Before I talked about recognizing the gap of your influence, but now let's talk about recognizing a gap in our um, competency and needing to develop more. So here's what I, here's what I learned, right? Um, something that helped me, because even though I was great at, at communication, like speaking words, as John Maxwell says, uh, everyone communicates, few connect. I, I really struggled with connecting, believe it or not. And I identified it as a weakness. So one thing that I recommend for people is four areas that we want to develop ourselves in, in becoming more competent, right? 
The first is a skill set. So what skill do you need for the next level that you want to go to? Identify that. For me, it was, it was a connection, right? So when I started to watch videos, listen to PowerPoints, presentations, you know, podcasts, I was always looking for how is that person connecting? More than the content, I was concerned with the skill set. I wasn't trying to learn everything they were teaching. I was trying to study how are they connecting. Then next thing is behaviors. What behavior do I need to develop in order to become who I need to be in this next stage of my life, right? If I want to be more influential, what behavior is missing? Maybe you are a high-level leader at an organization and believe it or not, maybe you're staying too late at work and you're putting pressure on other people to do the same thing. That might be a behavior you need to stop. It, it might not be creating the culture you want, right? There's a lot of CEOs out there who say, you know, hey, I want to be a loud lever. I want people to know, hey, I'm leaving. I'm taking PTO. I'm, you know, I'm not going to be able to be reached right now. And that's actually a really great thing. So is there a behavior that we need to develop? The third thing is a mindset, right? We're all very familiar with the mindset, but let's just give an example. What if you need more of an entrepreneurial mindset that allows you to accept, maybe maybe you handle risk a little bit differently. You know, you're in a company, maybe it's, it's the entrepreneur, right? But either way, you're thinking in this way of there's risk. How can I solve these problems? How can I own these things going on around me? That might be a mindset you need to develop. And uh, I'm, sh I'm shotgunning these out, but the fourth thing is a character trait. Maybe you need to be known as being trustworthy more. Maybe you need to be known as being vulnerable. I, I don't know. Like, I have no idea who's listening to this and where you're at. But these are the four things that I recommend. We put a development plan in place, both for us and the people who work for us. You just pick one out of, so out of these four, you pick one for each four, right? So one skill set, one behavior, one mindset, one character trait, go. For the next year, focus on that. Or if, you, if you're impatient, the next quarter, you know, but at least put something in place. And now you, you, you start to use your lens in a way where you're like, okay, how is this helping me develop this skill set? Okay, how am I working towards this behavior? And these are those incremental wins. So as I, as I shared with you, my, my challenge was competency right? I needed to become more competent at flying. So uh, in order to build influence in an aviation unit, guess what I needed to do more? I needed to fly more. And I needed to be noticed as someone who, you know, puts himself on the flight schedule more. That's a behavior. That's just a quick decision. Am I flying tomorrow or not? Yeah, I got all these command responsibilities and that takes up everything. But can I fit in a flight real quick? So that'd be a challenge for me. And, you know, what I recommend for anyone is just Real simple. Take those four things I shared, pick one for each, and then put that plan into place and go. Well, that's awesome, Adam. Um, so what is one book, one thing that you would like um, people that get a hold of your copy, Weapons of Mass Deception? Uh, what would you what is one takeaway that you would like readers to to get from this book? So really I feel we're not having a deep enough conversation yet around these challenges, you know, mental health struggles, suicide ideation, um, pressure to constantly perform for other people in order to feel valuable, addiction to achievement, you know, ambitious people, driven people. You're amazing. You make the world go around, right? That's, that's awesome. Well, technically you don't, but you know, you get results. That's cool. But what I really want is I want people to have language to go deeper into what they're experiencing 
because when we have language, we can start to create culture, right? Like in order for a, an intentional culture to form, we need language to point to. And I think right now, one of the greatest challenges in the time we live in is there's all these new challenges. There's so much uncertainty and there's not enough language for it yet. Like, here's my example. People say, man, I was experiencing burnout, right? And they treat, they, they talk about burnout as if it was the cause. Burnout's not a cause. Burnout is a result, right? Um, so in that example, what caused the burnout? That's the type of stuff that I want to make sure people walk away with is to say, man, this mindset and these actions that are reinforcing it from something I've never really processed deep enough yet, because this is not a repeat of another book, right? Like I said, I didn't want to write this. I felt like I needed to, to help. Um, if they can just get language and examples to point to of real raw examples and they say, hey, you know, they bring their spouse over and they say, hey, this is, this is what I'm going through right now. I didn't realize it until Adam said it here, but that's, that's me. And I, I can't imagine what that's like for you or for our kids. That's a home run because that's going to start transformation. Mm, that's awesome. And uh, thank you, Adam, for, for really sharing not only your heart behind the book, but a little taste of um, what readers can expect um, when, when reading from your book and story. Um, so I really think this is, and thank you for writing this because I think it's such a important topics to discuss. And I think everyone needs to hear this um, no matter where you are in leadership or what age group you're in. I think uh, this book is really going to help everyone. Thank you, man. Yeah. I, I'm honored to share it with others and it hurt to write it for a while, but I'll just, make sure everyone knows this. The book is a very transformative and restorative message. It is not doom and gloom. It's not all these bad things. It's identifying what's going on inside so that we can be lighter. We can get back on course. We live a better, more free, enjoyable life, right? So um, as you're seeing, we're going to expose these weapons, but then after that, man, now what, right? Like how can we operate in great levels of freedom? So uh, it's my honor to share it with others and, uh, you know, to be able to, I guess, take my mess and and make it a message. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Adam. And I also love listening to your podcast. So how can uh, people connect with your podcast? Cause I think you have like awesome content on there. Oh, thanks man. Yeah. Um, so I built that as a way just to kind of serve people that I meet here and there, right. Where someone goes, Hey, I'm struggling with this. So you know, what should I do? Well, I can point them to an episode to help if maybe I don't have time to meet with them yet. Um, if schedules aren't linking up, which, as you know, <laughs> happens all the time. Everyone's yeah. filled to the brim. So, yeah, that's called Leadership Accelerator Podcast by Adam F. Jones. And uh, you can go find it on YouTube if you want, and you can watch the videos. Um, I know a lot of people learn through the visual side, so that's great. We have it there for you or just podcast through um, Apple or Spotify. But yeah, those are all available. So Leadership Accelerator podcast by Adam F. Jones. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, Adam. And thank you for writing the book and really enjoyed uh, the discussion on weapons of mass deception. So uh, get your copy uh, today and uh, thank you for tuning in. Thanks, man. Well, we hope you enjoyed the discussion today with Adam Jones on the latest release of his new book, Weapons of Mass Deception, Detect and Defeat the Four Weapons, Destroying Your Peace, Purpose, and Power. 
If you want to get a hold of a copy of the book or learn more about the work that Adam Jones is doing, you can visit his website, adamfjones.com. Again, you can visit adamfjones.com for more tools and resources to help accelerate your team using the Blue Sky Leadership Strategy. He also has a podcast that you can check out to continue your leadership journey by subscribing to his podcast, The Leadership Accelerator Podcast. So feel free to check that out. It's an amazing podcast that I listen to uh, regularly. So we really hope you uh, get a hold of his book, adamfjones.com, and uh, really hope you enjoyed this podcast discussion with Adam Jones. Thank you so much for tuning in and all your support for the Executive Leadership Podcast. And if you want to find out more about the work that we're doing, you can find us at tcadvisorygroup.com.